Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Gamer's Gambit. I am Al, and joining me today, some random guy I called on Skype and said, Hey, want to join me in a podcast? And I said, hello. <laughs> I said, hello. And he said, you want to do a podcast for big games? And I said, hello. <laughs> He's like, that's not helpful at all, dude. What are you doing? And I said, hello. <laughs> and he hung up on me. And then we had to call again. And yes. everything was all right. Yep. So, uh, so survived the last two uh, snowstorms that we've had. And uh, fortunately... It uh, doesn't look like there's any major snowfall coming anytime soon, so, yeah. Oh, we need more time off of school. We haven't had enough so far. Actually, it was, um, went, went, went few, uh, was it, was it last week when we had, like, the two, or no, was it the week before? This, this month has just kind of blended together, but remember when we had those, like, two days of, like, really, really, really cold weather? Yeah. That was you awesome. You know, you mean that bastard called the Polar Vortex, which yes. I hate, want to destroy somehow? I think that's a cool name. I actually made a spell for uh, one of my products I published called Polar Vortex. It sounds like a cool name for a spell, a magic spell, doesn't it? No, no, I want nothing <laughs> to do anymore with the Polar Vortex. I'm just like, yeah, my heating bill just doesn't like the Polar Vortex. It just, it well, We Energies loves the Polar Vortex. I will give you that. It just yes. goes, ooh. But you know, me personally, I, I can, I can deal with about negative, negative ten. You know, negative ten. When it gets down to negative sixty, negative fifty, I'm, I'm like, you're going a little bit too far there, guys. <laughs> well, remember what we were talking about, you know, there's that email that goes around and it's, you know, things like, you know, 40 below zero, uh, you know, in this, you know, Southerners cease to exist. Wisconsinites start putting on jackets. So <laughs> do you see that there was a Facebook post of the all the snow and the people are and it was right around the time of the polar vortex. And the two Wisconsinites were out there with a grill, you know, in shorts, no <laughs> shirt on. Yeah, yeah I, I, I I don't know. Apparently, I'm not a true Wisconsinite because there's no way I'm doing that. No. Yeah, and a friend of mine posted a similar picture after the the vortex had passed, and it's like Wisconsinites confused by non-sub-zero temperatures. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, oh, but that was an awesome week because okay, I got Wednesday. Wednesday, I took off because our, my workplace was letting people take off because of the cold, um, and of course, my son was off from school. Went into work the next day, but then ended up getting to go home halfway through the day because I basically got a free three-and-a-half-day weekend because a water main at my day job burst, and it was going to take, you know, it was going to take a while for them to fix it. So it was a fire hazard. We couldn't stay in the building because if a fire broke out, um, you know, there I guess there was like only we wouldn't have enough exits or something but it was kind of cool i got a free three and a half day weekend yay i got to work i got the i got to work extra everybody everybody else was like they're not coming into into work and i'm like i'll work from home i'll answer i'll answer the phones for you that's all right just let me just let me get a little overtime i like mon months i love money come on (laughs) what's wrong with that you know what you can do with that extra money you have no, Al, tell me. Tell, tell me what I can do. Well, later this year, you'll be able to buy Super Mario Maker 2. Awesome. 
Yes, so that's our first story for today. So the, let me just look it up again, the exact release date. But uh, they did not, Nintendo has announced that they will be releasing a Super Mario Maker 2. And I let me just pull up the article here again. I think it was sometime this summer. Um, let's see. Okay. Yep, June 2019. So I haven't seen much of you know, much about it yet. I know there was a little video I watched. The, uh, apparently there are adding more power-ups, uh, the cat suit. So I'm wondering, now did the cat suit appear in any of the 2D games or has that always been like the 3D games? That's always been the, that was the, well, it's only been the one, the 3D land, uh, the 3D world, was it? I think so, yeah. I think so, it was yeah. 3D world. Yeah, and that um, was actually a fun game. I, I remember we got that when the... That was a Wii U game, correct? Yes, that was a yeah. Wii U game. And I actually purchased it and played it for a little bit, and then I never got around to it because the Wii was dead. Yeah. All hail I mean, the Wii. Wii U. <laughs> yeah, I actually enjoyed it. My son and I enjoyed playing that one, and we actually do have Mario Maker still. So what's your thoughts on Mar- Super Mario Maker 2? All right, so I'm not sure you're familiar with a YouTuber tuber called Ryukar, but I haven't seen him around lately, but that might just be because, well, I haven't been really paying attention. But I love to watch his, like, Mario, Super Mario Maker challenges. So I hope there's enough to make the new game interesting, you know what I mean, and make mm-hmm. it fresh. Uh, because more of the same is always good, but it's always nice to see, like, just... I guess more challenging, more interesting things, and I think Mario Maker was like made just for <laughs> just for YouTube. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's just incredible to watch people. Well, one you have to have skill if that makes sense, which my skills are nowhere near these other people who play Mario Maker. Like just the things that they're able to do. I don't know if you've ever watched it, but um. Yeah, it's just it's incredible to watch and and to be honest with you, it's also interesting the imagination and how these people who put it together are able to make things work that you'd go, There's no way you can jump from there to there to there. You know what I mean? And still yeah. make this. And it's like, nope, they they found a way. <laughs> yeah, because I I mean, I'm not surprised they're bringing out a new Mario Maker because the, the again the first one was actually a you know a fun game, and you know of course they want to make it available to the 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 people on the Switch because since the Switch isn't backwards compatible with the other games, but I'm not gonna be in a in a hurry to go out and get this one because as much as I enjoyed Super Mario Maker one. Honestly, it didn't really hold our attention for very long. I mean, yeah, it's fun designing stages and seeing what other kooky ideas that people come up with for other stages. Uh, Like, there was one video I actually watched. Someone remade each stage in Mega Man 2 using Mario Maker. So that was an interesting idea, I thought. But... I don't know. I guess you can only design and play so many homebrew stages before it gets boring. Uh, again, not saying it was a bad game. But I said we did have some fun with it, but I said just personally, I'm not in a hurry to go out and get it. So I'll probably wait till it 
goes on sale at like GameStop or something, I can get it for like twenty bucks. Unless my you know in laws get it as a gift for my son before then. <laughs> or unless uh, you know GameStop goes out of business. And yes, they have a clearance sale or something. But yeah, I mean, so <laughs> like I said it should be interesting to see what they do with the Switch's hardware. And since the cat suit was only in the 3D one, I wonder if they are ever going to get around to doing a Mario Maker where you can do 3D stages or if it's always going to be just the, the 2D. I'm guessing the 2D would probably be a little easier to program. Uh, you know, it would probably be easier from the programming point of view. But yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm sure they could find a way to do 3D stages. Oh, they could find a way to do anything if they really want to. I mean... Yeah. Uh, it's just what, one of the things that is weird about it, and I don't know about you, like watching like different kind of makers over the years, I think like Mario maker is like the most popular cause like they've made a ton of things where, you know, build your own levels, build, design your own game, you know, like they've had a ton of things like that, but it doesn't seem like it always sells. Mario maker though, seems like it took off and it was really good. See, and I think it's part of that is because just the overall popularity and the timelessness of the Mario series, because, you know, we've, we've been playing Mario games pretty much all our life. And, you know, anytime there's a Nintendo console, there is going to be a Mario game for it. And, you know, said so just since Mario has become such a popular and such a, What's the best way to say this? An everlasting figure. Okay, that's probably not the best way to say it. But, you know, it's become this everlasting, ever-present figure in both pop culture as well as, uh, you know, video games. That, yeah, yeah you know, so I, I guess I can, I can see, uh, you know, why they would certainly make it and why the Mario Maker games would continue to sell really well. And I know when I was talking to one friend of mine when it first came out, it's like he thought it was a brilliant idea because it gives you all this shared experience of the Mario world. And, you know, okay, I made this stage. Let's see if you can beat it. But I am glad that they do require you to beat your own stage before you upload it because I'm sure there's some bastards out there that make stages where it's, well, no, not not think there i know there are people out there that make these stages where again you have to get everything just right you know or where if your timing is just a teeny bit off you're not going to make it through the stage yeah no and there's tons of things like that that and it's like there are there are stages that just look like they're impossible you know what i mean if you like you said if you don't get your timing just right you're done it's just like I got to admit that I don't think I could ever actually play it for that reason, for those types of levels, only because it's like I would get too frustrated. It would be just yeah. like, oh, God, you know, there'd be a, you know, you ever heard, you remember the Wii controllers through the TV set situation? <laughs> there would yes. be other controllers through the TV set and not for the same purpose, you know? Yeah, and... You know, and I, I definitely see what you mean, because whenever you're designing any sort of video game, not just Mario Maker, of course, but there's always going to be that perfect balance where making something that's going to be challenging to the player, 
but not so difficult that they they get frustrated and give up. You know, there's that that certain sweet spot that some games manage to hit just perfectly, and then other games are just so off the mark. But yeah. so here's a question for you though: with Mario Maker coming through, we I don't know how many other Mario. Well, we had Odyssey, which was a totally different direction. But how hard is it to make a 2D Mario game now than maybe before because there are so many levels and so many different iterations that you can do for Mario Maker, you know, for Mario in Mario Maker? How hard would it like, be to design a stage? or No, how, how hard is it for Nintendo to sell a new 2D Mario having Mario Maker with all these Mario stages in it? That's true. I mean, I, I don't think it's really that hard for them to sell it, though, because they pretty much bank on the popularity of Mario and, you know, what it's done on you. You, you mentioned YouTube, how, you know, the, there's people out there that they'll do their Let's Plays where they'll play different stages just to see how they people can get through them. So I don't know. But I, I'm, you know, Nintendo, one thing I will admit with the Mario games they're, they they usually they are there's enough difference between them where this the series hasn't really gone stale. I I mean I know a lot of Mario okay, your side scrolling platform ones, but they you know they introduce new power ups and new features that I think help keeps the franchise fresh and helps keep it going. Okay, yeah. So, that. and that's that was my thing is it's like you know I like I love to ah. Uh, what was it? Uh, Super Mario World. It's 3D World. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I want to still buy. I haven't yet, but I want to buy the Wii U Super Mario Deluxe. I think it is for Switch that just came out. Okay. Yeah, because I know we have it for the Wii U. I we haven't picked it up for the Switch, but I'd still have to say, overall, my favorite Mario game. Probably would be uh, Mario 60, Super Mario 64 DS, because that okay. game took everything that I liked about Mario 64 and kicked it up a notch. And the fact that you get four players now instead, you know, four different characters instead of just one Mario, that just, like I said, it, it's a really fun game. And if you haven't played uh, Mario 64 DS, Highly recommend and go out and get a copy if you have the opportunity. Yeah, I, I, I will agree with that. Well, in addition to Super Mario Brothers, another franchise that I think has gotten time, has been timeless and you know has certainly endured over the the years. Though, I, like any long running franchise, it's had its high points and it's had its low points, and that's Final Fantasy. And there's a uh, recently, Square did announce that they are they copyrighted Secret of Mana, Final Fantasy and Adventure, and Final Fantasy Adventure and Mystic Quest in both the U.S. and in Europe. So the article that I read it didn't really have any other details yet. So not sure what quite yet what Square is planning to do with this. So. Now, have you played any of those games, uh, Secret of Mana, uh, Final Fantasy Adventure, or Mystic Quest? 
um, the uh, Final Fantasy Adventure was for the Game Boy, I believe. So I Correct. didn't get to play that one. Uh, Mystic Quest and uh, Secret of Mana. I actually have the Secret of Mana remake on my uh, PS4, which I do enjoy. Um, I also got to play both games on the Super NES, but uh, never finished either of them. So, Yeah, because, I mean, and I know with Mystic Quest, it might not be, they might be trademarking that not for the Mystic Quest game we know of. Because uh, one of the articles I was reading about, they were saying that uh, Mystic Quest was actually the name of one of the Final Fantasy Adventure games when it was released in Europe. So, I'm like I said, I'm not sure what this means if they... Not a lot of details yet, so I don't know if they're planning like HD remakes of those games. Though, didn't you say they already, they already did that remake of uh, Secret of Mana? Um, yep. But I'm wondering if maybe they they might be doing like a compilation disc, maybe. It could be because one of the things is is that there's a game that was technically loved that people imported. Um, I can't really say it. It was Sukio Vendenza Three, which was Secret of Mana Three, that never came out in the states, and supposedly was a pretty good game that everybody wanted to come out, but it just never did. Uh, Mystic Quest is another, which is weird. Uh, Final Fantasy Adventure and Mystic Quest were both, from what I understand, actually Secret of Mana games, but they didn't think that Secret of Mana would actually sell in the U.S., so they called it Final Fantasy. Well, I know, yeah, because Final Fantasy, the game we know is Final Fantasy Adventure. I know that was the first in the Mana series. Uh, Mystic Quest, though, the American version anyway, um, the game we know, that was actually an original creation. It's just that in Europe, they got Final Fantasy Adventure as uh, as Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. So, Or maybe, okay, my memory's a little fuzzy on this one. I don't know if it was called Final Fantasy Mystic Quest or if it was just called Mystic Quest. Because I, I think it was originally called Final Fantasy Mystic Quest because they didn't get the game that we know as Mystic Quest until uh, f- uh, quite some time later. Or wait, no. Okay, Pro Jared, I know, he has uh, one of my favorite YouTubers. He has a video where he talked about it. He was... Actually, wait, okay. I'm, it's coming back to me now. I'm pretty sure Mystic Final <laughs> Fantasy Mystic Quest was the first Final Fantasy game they got in Europe because he did this video the top 10 worst things Square has done with Final Fantasy. And the one of them on his list was uh, Mystic Quest, how that was the first taste of Final Fantasy they got over there. And it's like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, what do they give them? A video RPG meant for babies. And, you know, he's like, so this is to our friends in the European Union that, that you had to miss out on too many great games. So, yeah. I mean, I personally wouldn't mind if they did a remake of uh, the Mystic Quest game that we know. Again, I've said this before, I'm probably one of the few gamers there that actually really enjoyed that game, and actually it's always going to have a soft spot in my heart for me. I actually did like the... I don't know why. I like the the battle graphics. When you were just the one person or the three people, and you were at... You know, when you usually, on the Final Fantasy, you stood to the side... If I remember right, in Mystic Quest, you're standing, like, on the bottom of the screen, and all the 
uh, it was kind of like a fantasy star type yes. situation where the you know heroes would sit on the bottom and then the monsters would be on the top there. Yep, and, and I what actually I... like that graphic style for some reason. Yeah, and what I liked about it, I mean, the game has awesome music. Still one of my favorite video game soundtracks to this day. But what I really liked about the battles is I liked it how when you, as you damage the enemies, they started to show it on their sprites. So like the, uh, like, trying to think of an example, but uh, like the ice golem, for example, or there's some like ice monster you fight. And as you start to wear it down, you start to see, you know, there's the sprite change so that he's melting. And then, like, in his last phase, he's just this, like, puddle with a head and an arm sticking out of the ground. So I really liked that. And some of them were actually quite amusing. Like, uh, for some of the humanoid monsters, they would have, like, a Band-Aid or something on them as you were starting to wear them down. So it was just a nice little touch. And like I said, I, I would... If Square didn't do a remake of Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, I would concept, definitely consider getting it. Yeah, me as well. I Sometimes those little games are just nice, you know what I mean? I forget if it was, was it actually 40 hours long or was it, or, or was well, it just a little bit? It wasn't, it wasn't 40 hours. Uh, another YouTuber I watched, I'm not sure if he's still producing videos. He went by the, the name Happy Video Game Nerd. Because, you know, there's the, the YouTuber, the angry video game nerd, who's usually talking about games that he hates because they're terrible. Well, happy video game nerd, you know, he would talk about games that he liked. And uh, he did an episode on Mystic Quest, and I think he said it was only about 10 hours. But, you know, he okay. really, one of the reasons he said he liked it is sometimes I don't want to commit you know, 40, 50 hours to a game. I just want something that I could breeze through in a long weekend if I wanted to, you know? Yeah, no, and that's definitely it. Like, you love 40-hour video games or, you know, 60-hour video games when you want a, you know, a really long grind or whatnot. But there's sometimes you just don't have time for that. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, I remember playing The Witcher and going you know, am I actually going to finish this game? Because I was like, you know, there's three, you know, three different, there's a main game and then two different expansions. And I was just like, I don't know if I'm actually going to have time to finish this. Eventually I did, but it was one of those things where, you know, I used to be all about, no, if a game is going to be an RPG, it should have at least 40 hours of content in it. And if it doesn't, probably not a good game but then as you get older and have different like responsibilities and different places to be all the time you know what i mean it's kind of like okay so maybe we can tone it down a little bit <laughs> yeah and that's maybe that's we'll maybe we'll tackle this on a future opinion topic you know how long should a game be because i have a friend and actually for christmas my wife got me a copy of assassin's creed odyssey and I have a friend that plays it, that's playing it, and she said that she really likes the game. It's just that it just is going on forever and ever and ever. There was a controversy with that for Assassin's Creed, where in the newest one, they made it extra grindy so they could sell 
microtransactions for XP boosts to make it less less grindy. So it's like, in that case, you know, is that another? I don't know. It's that whole microtransactions thing versus you know game development yeah, thing. You true. know what I mean? It's like, are you making a forty-hour game or are you making a game that's too grindy that you could have been faster? But because you wanted somebody to spend ten bucks on this thing over here, that now we need, <laughs> you know, now it's a forty-hour game just because if you don't want to spend forty hours on it, you can buy, you know, this XP boost that'll make it faster. You know, it's just yeah. And wasn't like uh, I know Star Wars Battlefront Two was attacked for that. And I think, you know, was it Red Dead Redemption 2 was also one of those ones where people were complaining about the amount of time you had to spend grinding out uh, gold or something like that? Yeah, that was the Red Dead Online because everybody's kind of like the prices were way out of line, like, and whatnot online versus what it is in the game when you're just playing the game. Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. Moving on, and you mentioned, you know, there's controversy. And, of course, one of the controversies that's been around almost as long as video games themselves. Violence and video games. Does playing video games cause someone to become violent? Well, a group of researchers in the United Kingdom did another study that, once again, proves what people like you and me have been saying all along. Uh, they did a study of with teenagers to show that and again it, i see just let me look up the article here to see if i can find the name of the organization but uh, essentially it was saying that they did uh, in, there was a study in the uk on teenagers violence in video games and guess what the conclusion was that oh my god there are time bombs all over the entire world in one section, like the cell from Stephen King, all these people are going to murder everyone, and there will be no population <laughs> left. It, we're just waiting for this apocalypse to happen. Oh, yes, no. But, okay, yeah, the uh, again, it, it they had a sample of it was about of 1,000 people, so not a huge sample. But, again, it showed that, the again, pe teenagers who were playing violent video games were no more likely to go out and commit crimes or do acts of violence than people who didn't play video games. And there, of course, are people that still criticize these studies. And the article I was reading, um, I don't know if you had a chance to look at it or not, but the governments of Australia and Sweden have also, you know, I guess, done their own studies. And while there isn't any definitive proof that these games cause people to be violent they still think that there is that people should call for limits to the amount of games that people play so i don't know okay the here it is the journal royal society open science uh they interviewed parents and carers to see if they thought the child had become more antisocial. Oh, but this was teenagers, right? So, I mean, you know, <laughs> so, being a teenager, being more antisocial, um, that's not biased at all. I mean, yeah, that, you know. That is true. I mean, I while we were both teenagers, teenagers at one time, so, yeah, we, 
I mean, I don't know if I was necessarily always antisocial, but yeah, I did go through that phase when, of course, I didn't want to hang out with mom and dad because they were so uncool. Yeah, or you were fighting with your with your you know best friend, or you were having trouble you know with other things, and you're just like, yeah, I'm not ready to deal with the drama today. You know yeah. what I mean? That never happens. It's but, like, oh, but now he's antisocial. Okay. Well, yeah, and that's, again, that's just part of being a teenager. It's like, do these people forget what it was like growing up at that time? You know, no, yeah, you... Just, but there weren't video games then. Now that there are video that games, true. Now, we've, now we've discovered the key to psychology. Somehow, now that there are video games, how the world works is different. I don't know how, I don't know why, but it just is. Yeah, <laughs> but still, it is an interesting, I mean, I know it's one of those subjects that is going to be studied for a long time, and of course, everyone's always going to have their agenda they want to push, whether it's, you know, video games are bad for you and video games cause violent behavior, or video games can have some positive effect, but I, I guess the re, the thing about the whole video games and violence debate that always irritates me is that I think governments tend to use it as just a convenient scapegoat to not deal with the real problem, you know, because it's always easier to say, oh, this kid played violent video games. That was That's what made him go out and shoot up his school when, again, it's, as like I said, there have been other studies that have shown that people who play these violent video games are no more likely to go out and commit crimes than people who don't play video games. And I think there was even one that showed that people who did go out and commit violent crimes actually played less video games than their peers. So I don't know. Do you really follow up on most of those studies or do you always just kind of like, well, if you see the article on the internet, you'll read it, but you don't go out of your way to look for them. Because after so much research, I have discovered that I am a clinical psychologist <laughs> with with a PhD. I don't know when that happened, but I'm going to say that I'm going to be one of those people. And I'm going to say the real reason that nobody else is looking at, because only I could see this, only I am smart enough to understand this. There is mental illness in this country. There's a stigma on getting treated for mental illness in this country. And to this day, I don't know, I don't understand why, I don't understand how, but it's easier to blame something else, violent video games, violent cartoons, violent movies, um, anything, but it's not okay for some reason to say, this person probably needed help and didn't get it. It's easier to blame something like video games or anything else than go, well, with our current insurance, how insurance works, with how everything else works, this person needed help and didn't or wasn't able to get it. And trust me, people hide mental illness. They're not just going to go and tell you, hi, you know what? I'm feeling really bad today. You know what I mean? I'm really doing – sometimes people need to be pushed for that, and everybody – who says they never said anything, they were never anything like this, or we would have never known. That doesn't mean that there wasn't something there. It was just that they had either no one they felt comfortable to talk to about it, or the people who you thought were your friends or you thought were your, they weren't that 
close to you really to be able to notice the changes or the whatnot. I mean, there are people who can hide it very well, but at the same time, we do have a problem in this country with mental illness. So blaming video games for this stuff, yeah, we just want something to blame because we're not willing to go. We don't always have resources, especially with teenagers, especially with kids, to be able to identify how to help people. Yeah, and I think you make a good point when you were saying that the stigma of mental illness. There's a graphic I've seen go around Facebook every now and then, and it said, what if we treated other diseases the way some people treat mental illness? And it had people saying things like, have you ever tried not having cancer? Or, you know, uh, you know, Bob and that cancer of his, some people will take any excuse to get out of work. And, you know, so, yeah. and I think, again, this is wildly off topic, but I know it's, in a way, it's still relevant because, you know, mental illness and, and violence is another field of study entirely. But um, the, I think one of the reasons there's this stigma is because people are afraid, well, I think people in general are can be afraid to admit that they have a problem, that they need assistance. And I think yeah. part of that is because our society seems to think that if you are suffering from depression, you know, you should just, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get out there, man up, face the world. But again, as someone who has suffered from severe depression in the past, I can tell you it's not always that easy. And no. there's always this fear that people think if they receive, if they go out and get treatment or get help, that other people are going to think that they're weak and, you know, they're not, you know, that they're somehow less of a person because they decided to go get help for their mental problems. And I don't know, do you think in a way that, I, I don't maybe video games where there is some violence, if that can maybe even be helpful to people with certain mental disorders because it gives them an outlet that they can use to vent their frustrations or live through their issues without actually hurting anybody. What's your take on that? That is, that's my opinion exactly in a way. I mean, it's not always great. You know what I mean? It's not a productive, I think, use of it. But there's a reason why we can all game, you know, why gaming is escapism. It's something to de-stress. It's something to... At the, you don't play video games usually, or at least not very long, to be frustrated or whatnot. It's usually an enjoyable diversion for life. I mean, if you didn't have that diversion, maybe it wouldn't do too much, but could you know, cause a lot more stress because there's nothing to take your stress out on. There were – I forgot if there was a study and how it went, but was I thought there was a study where that – Things like pain, things like stress, if you swear and yell, you know, if you stub your toe or whatnot, it actually, for some reason, makes you feel better. You know, yeah. whether it doesn't actually lessen the pain, but for whatever reason, doing that, you know, ex video games could be the same way. You know, it's a way yep. to get away from your problem. It's not good to hide from those problems, of course, but at the same time, it is a way to set them aside for a little while and possibly get some peace of mind. And people going, no, that's not a good thing. And, it, well, it's like, 
everybody does it. You know, do you want people to turn? Would you rather have you know people turning to drugs and alcohol, which they do too, it, turning to that versus just going and playing a video game? You know, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm going to choose video games versus drugs and alcohol every time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think uh, yeah, video games uh, significantly safer than going out and doing you know heroin or crack or something like that but yeah again definitely good point and um see uh another youtuber that this is i don't really watch his show but there was one episode i caught of his the game overthinker he was talking about why he thinks zombie video games are so popular and one of his you know reasons he thought is because it allows us to take out our frustrations on our fellow man in a way that's not going to hurt anybody um, you know, because I'm sure you've probably been at the mall during the Christmas time or Black Friday, or, you know, you've been at the end of a really long shot line in the shopping, you know, at the, at the grocery store or been stuck in a traffic jam. And, you know, you just, you just want to, you know, maybe you just want to burst out and start mowing down everything in sight. Well, obviously you can't do that in real life because that's going to get, that's called uh murder. <laughs> That's but cool. well and that's why what what was one of the things in high school they were always like when you first learned to drive and then there's always times when you feel that the person you know in the lane beside you doesn't know how to drive as well as you do or whatnot we always joked about just carrying around a paint gun you know in the back <laughs> in the car and just like you see something stupid just <laughs> yeah <laughs> just like and you know that's really dangerous i please do not do that yes. um we are, not, we are not advocating road rage. We're just saying that playing violent video games under circum certain circumstances can be somewhat healthy and beneficial for your mental health. Exactly. But yeah, that's that's why I don't really pay attention to, to the... And now, mind you, if I saw something that proves that, all of a sudden, you know, we're proving that you have, you know... But every single whatchamacallit, has always stated there is no link between violent games and whatchamacallit. We've had violent movies and horror movies for how long and it doesn't cause people to go out. Nobody's blamed. Well, I can't say for sure, but well, you know what I mean? During the satanic panic of the early 80s, uh, slasher films were one of the one of the things that televangelists were using to claim that you know the that these things were causing turning people to satanism or whatever and i guess it really boils down to imitatable violence you know like okay because you know there's a difference between fantasy violence and uh you know imitatable violence something like okay final fantasy is fantasy violence you know you're your character steps forward, swings his sword, hits the enemy, and it disappears when it's dead. Whereas you take a look at a game like Call of Duty or uh, a modern, well, what are the other ones? Call of Duty or Medal of Honor or, you know, these first-person shooters, you know, you shoot someone and, okay, it shows their head blowing off or it shows blood coming out and then they fall to the ground dead. And, you know, it still leaves their bleeding corpse there for a little bit. You know, that's the realistic. That's the imitatable violence. But yeah, well, that's why the Columbine people are like, that's why we said we said do. Well, no, I don't. They didn't live, so they couldn't say that. But they were like, 
one of the reasons why you know they were saying yeah no we we played a lot of doom yeah doom wasn't really human people getting blown apart yeah and and I know what the Columbine that one, as I recall, the uh, they pretty much determined that the fact that they played video games had little to no impact as to why they went out and went on this spree. But there is one place though in where video games might actually be beneficial, and it's specifically for. There's an article I was reading called "Can Esports Keep Your Brain from Aging." Now, did you have a chance to read over this article? No, but I'm familiar with it. Um, they've been saying that because it's a highly competitive uh, sport, I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, and the and a lot of the esports e have a lot of strategy involved, you know, these kind of things can keep your mind agile, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because it was more about, like, the reaction time, because I actually found this yeah. surprising. They're saying that around age 24, that's when your reaction time begins to decline. And they were using, uh, let's see, what's the guy's name? Joseph Marquez, who is 27 years old, and apparently that puts him on, I guess in the world of esports, that puts him at like the racehorse that they're probably about one season away from, you know, putting out of its misery, you know, just yeah. taking him behind the barn and with a shotgun to the back of the horse's head. I was actually surprised when they were saying that, you know, usually with esports, it's more the younger people that are the ones that perform the best in it because they haven't gotten old enough where that reaction time starts to fade. And they were saying that when they were analyzing, I guess, one of his matches and performing 325 actions per minute or five inputs every second. Uh, that requires processing visual information on screen, reacting, contemplating, strategizing, and executing all within milliseconds. So maybe, you know, both of us have said that we're not really good at the whole shoot 'em up games. Maybe that's why. Maybe we're just too old for those. Well, you've remembered people. I, it's, it's, a, it's a big meme about, um, I don't know, I remember it was, a little while ago, but it was always getting killed by the 13-year-old in the first-person shooters or the Call of Duty or whatnot. It's, oh, all those guys are 13-year-olds. Just, <laughs> <laughs> But it's kind of true, you know what I mean? If 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 that's the case, got 13- to 18-year-olds playing these games that have higher response time than those people who are in their 30s playing, you know, it's like, what are you going to do? It's like, mm -hmm. that's just how the world works. Yeah, and, and they were the article was saying that different video games, uh, and just to quote the article here, different video games seem to stimulate different parts of the brain. That means your Xbox can provide a brain workout, in quotes, if used correctly. But just as your body can't thrive on fitness 24-7, your brain needs the right dose of gaming, not round-the-clock Call of Duty. So, you know, they were saying that, uh, okay, so again, my moderate amounts of video game playing might actually be helpful to help you prevent loss of reaction time. Yeah. But they, again, they do mention this article that esports science is still in its infancy, so you know it's going to take a while before they reach any definitive conclusions. And is it just esports, or is it any type of competitive play? 
while they were saying esports, so they probably just thinking uh, that you know probably just competitive play or games where you do need that that fast reaction. So I mean, I don't think a game like well, let's just say Pokemon Go, because for that one, you usually you really don't need fast reaction time for that one, because you know once you find the you know that Pokemon, you know it's not going to run, run away until you've had unless you fail to capture it. But, you know, you can sit there lining up your shot for as long as you want. Yeah, no, and that I agree with. It's mostly like first-person shooters, uh, let's see, uh, fighting games. Did they say anything about, like, Dota and Dota, you know, the whole uh, MOBA situation and uh, Command and Conquer, StarCraft, those Oh, the real-time strategy? Yeah, real-time strategy. Yeah, they didn't say much about that, and it's probably because that one, again, it is a bit more uh, of a slower pace. They did say, though, that uh, Super Mario 64, they were mentioning that researchers had adults play it for at least a half hour a day for two months, and they saw brain volume increases in regions responsible for spatial processing, memory, strategic planning, and motor skills. Okay, which I'm sup- I'm sure we need all that, so that's yeah. good. <laughs> See, this is where I'm like, uh, all right, this is the science behind it is interesting, but it's kind of like it'd be interesting to see does playing different types of games do well for you, or is it just that you should play the ones consistently like if you were playing Mario 64 if you changed up and do you get different benefits from different types of games or that's an interesting question and okay so if we have any neurologists out there listening to this if you want to do a study on this and let's say you want people to play different types of video games uh you know over a certain period of time Wayne and I will you know we'll we'll be happy to help you in our, your study especially if you're willing to pay us to participate in that right oh god i've already said i love money so don't 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 cheat <laughs> so but i just thought that was interesting especially since you know i mean how much negative press do video games get you know for whatever reason and here's a story saying that it actually might be somewhat beneficial for you yeah, no, and that's the thing is that is it the end all be all? No, I don't believe it's the end all be all. Is it anywhere near? Like I said, it's just a, it seems like it's always just a scapegoat, and that's all it'll ever be. And you and like I said, we want to look for an excuse. You know what I mean? Like most people want some kind of explanation, and we always search for the easiest explanation there is, and. All these people played video games, so video games must be the reason for it. And yeah, it things are usually a lot more complicated than that. Yeah, and again, that whole line of thought is of looking for the easy scapegoat is certainly not a recent phenomenon. I mean, I think it was Frederick Wertman back in the '50s wrote his book *Seduction of the Innocent*, where he he was trying to blame comic books for causing corruption or for causing problems among youth and his problem when he wrote that book is that he worked with children who were in like juvenile detention so he was most he was working with mostly with kids who were already in trouble with the law and he noticed that well hey a lot of these kids read comic books therefore 
comic books must cause juvenile delinquency. Ugh. But mm-hmm. anyways. And that's and that's the thing. Mm-hmm. But on to our next story, and this one was again fairly recent. Uh it actually the story actually dropped a few hours before we started recording. PlayStation boss Sean Layden wants Sony to focus more on multiplayer in the future. So the art, the brief article said that Sony is one of the last major publishers to really focus on the single player experiences. So, you know, that might change because in a recent interview, uh, they asked if they thought Sony had any weaknesses. And he said, quote, I think all the things we do, story driven games, really well. What we don't do much in is multiplayer. So this is where I'm I'm a little I mean I, I'm not a I don't own a PlayStation, so I'm not like well, PlayStation Classic, but that doesn't really count in this case. I, that's what I guess concerns me if they want to really go to more multiplayer games. Because I could see other game developers following suit, and perhaps one of the reasons they're doing that is because, well, we know how much money they make off of microtransactions. Yeah. So as a PlayStation person who only really likes single player games, not really into the third, uh, you know, the uh, multiplayer uh, multiplayer experience on there. I can tell you that everybody who's in the Sony sphere has always known that uh, first party multiplayer is one of their weaknesses. Like they don't have a lot of good multiplayer like what's the game called oh i can't think of it now um Fortnite or... it's the it's the people who made um people who made horizon zero dawn they made a, a first person person shooter uh game and it was all right but it wasn't anything great or anything you know extraordinary in the, in the name it was pretty much, you know, Sony's turn to be in that that sphere. The only thing that I worry about, because right now the hot topic that everybody's trying to do is Battle Royale, right? That's like that's like the word of the day. Now yeah. the problem is is you're trying to emulate that and everybody's got the same game out and nothing's really different. This is the trap that you want to kind of be careful of is because Sony did really good last year on uh you know one player single player story driven experiences going ahead and just saying that you know now we don't want that anymore we want to focus on uh, you know multiplayer things the problem is is that market is so crowded it's hard to stand out nowadays and everybody is copying each other and there's not anything that seems to be original and original you know what i mean because oh look we're doing battle royale well apparently that's what we're doing now you know what i mean oh we're doing we're doing this now you know and it's i guess that's that's the only thing i would be wary about is sony you've been doing really good uh, on being your own person's uh, bringing out new games great experiences right it's like why 
please don't just go on some kind of a bandwagon and just make, you know, fax copies of, you know, games that everybody else is making. Got that, Sean Layden. We know you're out there listening to us. So you got that. But, no, I I get what you're saying because, I mean, if they are doing this really great job, you know, making these single-player focused games, I don't think there's anything wrong with them wanting to try to branch out into multiplayer. But if this is their core audience, the the people who like these single player experiences, I think it's important to them that it's important that they don't forget that core group. Uh, kind of like how I guess Xbox tends to be a little bit more towards the multiplayer crowd, and then Nintendo's they've always been a bit more towards the casual market. I don't know why. It's just that's that's always been my impression uh, since you know since uh, Sega dropped out of the race and when games started moving into the you know the disc based era, Nintendo always stayed more casual. They they're usually not what I'd call hardcore gamers, and I don't mean that in a bad way. So I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense. Mm. Yeah, but, it does. The you, you just want to make sure that. You don't want to f- fall into a niche. We want you to be creative. We want, co- you know, as gamers, we want new experiences. That's one of the reasons you play games is so that you have new experiences. You tell new stories. You get to do something you haven't done before. And then it's like, but if you just copy everybody else and just say, buy our game versus this guy's game, that suddenly doesn't become as good if you just would bring something out original and good, I guess. So you hope Sony decides to not to follow the trend, but to be the trend. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I mean, I agree. Cause like I said, I, as I said before, I've never owned a PlayStation with the exception of the PlayStation classic. So I'm not really familiar with the games that Sony has released, but I, I do hope that, they do continue to focus on those single player experiences because it sounds like you've enjoyed them a lot. And I I would almost, I don't know, would you almost say Nintendo also has done a lot of focusing on those single player games? Because I mean, when we look at Nintendo, the only original Nintendo IPs I can think of that really have a significant multiplayer component would be like Smash Brothers and Mario Kart. I'm mm. not sure how many other original Nintendo franchises are that do have an online component, but it seems they also tend to focus a lot more on those single player experiences. Well, the the problem is is that uh well there's Splatoon. That, okay, yeah, that's got, right. Um, good question good point. Nintendo has really sucked at online play. <laughs> I mean, their network's not really that good. They're not I mean, I don't, I don't know how to put it elsewise. I mean, the Wii, as long as you weren't, I never experienced Wii online play, so I can't really tell you about that. You'd be more knowledgeable at that. But unless you have a good core networking experience, if that makes sense, yeah, your multiplayer is well, not going to, be, you know, and it's going to be hard to create new experiences. Well, my son, he's done. Uh, he he likes the Splatoon series, so he has done online gaming for that. And from what I've seen of him play it, it doesn't look like there was really a lot of lag. So for Splatoon, it seemed to work out really well. 
I did a little bit of online with Mario Kart Wii and with uh, Smash Brothers Brawl, and I never had any problems there. So I don't know if it's just maybe certain games that are a bit laggy, but... Well, moving on, one of the things we talked a little bit about earlier, uh, we were talking about pricing and gaming, and you wanted to do this for your the opinion section of today's uh, show. So... What made you decide you wanted to talk about gaming and pricing, or games and pricing? All right, so here's the thing. As I was going through Walmart yesterday, or not yesterday, Paul, two days ago, and I was going through the video game section looking for stuff for Switch, and I noticed there was a copy of Super Smash Brothers for Wii sitting there. And I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting because, you know, there's like one Wii game there, and it's Super Smash Brothers, right? Interesting. But Super Smash Brothers was fifty nine ninety nine for Wii, and it got for Wii or Wii U. Wii U. Okay. So Wii U. So I'm sitting here going, the actual Wii U is a dead console, right? It, it's pretty much they're not really making anything for it. Most of the games are gone from stores. It's it's just dead. So, but the games are still fifty nine ninety nine, right? And it got me thinking. Like, I think a couple of stores recently had a sale on some Switch games, but not very much discounted or anything. It, it just got me thinking. Nintendo do, doesn't offer any sales usually. They don't really do much to drop their prices except for when they're really really you know pretty much done what do you think about that because like all these ports of these games that were wii u games are full price you know what i mean yeah they have a little bit updated graphics but they're the same game you know we've got you know in the stores a wii u game going for full price even though the console is dead See, and that's I'm see. The thing is, I'm not sure how much of that is Nintendo's fault, and how much of it is more with just how distribution usually works. You know, because most, um, you know, the way the games usually work is okay. The 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 game designer or the the publisher will usually sell to distributor, and then the distributor will starts will sell to the the to the retailers. So. I mean, I'm not sure if it's because, I mean, uh, okay, so if it costs about $60, I mean, I would guess, you know, again, I'm not sure, this is just a guess that, let's just say GameStop, you know, if they're selling, you know, a, a Wii U game for 60 bucks, they may have had to pay, I would guess about 20 to $30 for that copy of that game, uh, again, assuming they got it through a distributor and not directly from the, the publisher so it's probably because they want to try to make as much pro much profit off that product as they can so they can't really mark it down too much otherwise they're not making enough profit because of course they got to pay the cashier and they got to pay for their you know their store space and they gotta you know pay for lights and all that but i mean i do agree that I'm trying to think of the best way to say this, but um, 
I mean, I think to some extent, the pricing of video games has gotten a little bit too high, uh, especially when you consider that there's games out there where if you want to get the full experience, not only do you have to dump 50, 60 bucks on the game itself, but you can also look forward to spending another twenty, thirty dollars on DLC in order to get the full game. So it does irk me when you have games that again are sixty bucks or more, but again, it's not the complete experience. Or they purposely design the game that if I, you know, want to get if I want to progress without having to do a lot of grinding, I gotta pay for microtransactions. Like as we were saying with uh you know, like Star Wars Battlefront Two and the the Red Dead Online game. Yeah, it's just a interesting conversation to have at this point because when you know, like, when will the digital games become a little cheaper versus you know physical games? When will? Oh, yeah. And that okay, then that's actually a really good point too because, um, so I don't really do a lot of shopping on the. Nintendo eShop, so they do sell the digital copies for about the same as a physical copy. Yeah, um, they actually it has to be the same price. So even if something's on sale in a physical store, it has to be it has to be at full price on the actual Nintendo eShop. Apparently, that's one of the rules they have. Seeing that, seeing it's that's one of those things that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I suppose in a way it does because. I mean, let's say you had to choose between paying $60 in the store, you know, or paying $45 for the digital download. Yeah, I can see how that would make people go to the digital download. But then again, you also have to consider physical media does have certain advantages that does make it worth. Well, physical media does have its own set of advantages and disadvantages. The nice thing about physical media is, okay, if I buy a physical copy of, well, let's just use Super Smash Brothers Ultimate because we have a physical copy of it. Mm-hmm. If I if it gets to the point where I don't feel the need to play the game anymore or, uh, you know, it turns out I just don't like it, I can always take that game and I can sell it on the secondhand market and at least get some of my money back. Where if I just do a digital download... And if it's a game I've never played before, I mean, when I was, when I had the Wii, when the Wii Virtual Shop was still open, you know, there were games that I bought on a whim just because I thought they looked or sounded kind of interesting. And there were a couple of them that I bought, and I, looking back, I wish I didn't because I didn't really enjoy the game. Now, the problem with that is I'm pretty much stuck with it. Yeah, I can delete it from my system to free up some space, but... I don't have that resell option like I do with a physical product. And now if you accidentally, let's say your Wii blows up or whatnot, or is bad, knock on wood, that doesn't. But can you, now that the Wii shop is closed, can you re-download that game? That's true, and that's another thing. Um, I could probably do it on the Wii U because only the Wii shop is closed. The Wii, I'm pretty sure the Wii U store is still open. Uh, yeah, but that's still another thing is, I mean, what if they decide they're not going to let you re-download it because let's say, well, let's say my Wii U or my Switch just gets totally fried. 
and Nintendo wants too much money to re- to repair it, so I have to go out and I have to buy a new one. Well, actually, I'm sh- I probably could re-download it because I'm guessing because you create your uh, you create your account and I'm they probably link those purchases to that account. So I don't think they're linked directly to the system. Well, yeah, but if the actual Wii Shop is closed, can you still That's access true. the Wii, Wii Shop? I can probably download them still for the Wii U. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I haven't fired up my Wii U in a while. <laughs> but, yeah, I know. Each each form of media has its own advantages and disadvantages. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if they close, if the day comes when they close the Wii U shop, then, yeah, pretty much those games, if my Wii U gets fried, those games are pretty much lost to the ether. Yep, and that's the reason why I bought a lot of stuff on digital with the PS PS store. But that's one of the things is that but that's with anything now. Most a lot of these games you have to have an online component. Once those game servers run down, well, there's no server to connect to. So even with physical media, you can't play them anymore. Yeah, and and that's one of the things I that's one of the trends that just I hate is the whole online component and I mean, I remember when uh, the Xbox One was coming out, there was the story that broke that they were going to have it where you always had to be connected. But fortunately, they shot that. They decided to to back off that idea once the, the fan outrage, you know, got loud enough. <laughs> well, yeah, and because we still, you know, even though game companies don't understand it, we still want to play games whether you're having server problems or not. Exactly. Whether you're having... Whether you're having any type of issue or not, we still want to be able to play the game. So what, I mean, for you, what would you say is a reasonable price for a AAA title uh, when it comes out? I mean, usually they're going, usually it's about about 50, 60 bucks is the average price for when it first uh, debuts. Yeah, um, I say that's fine. I say even... If you're going to make it also, I say you can possibly make it even more. I mean, you know, that's why I buy some collector's editions. You know, I buy some other things. You know, do I want to spend $200 on a game? No, unless there's something really good in it that I want. But I think curtailing some of these microtransactions, if I can pay $70 for a game, 75 and not have to deal with them, maybe that's something I can do. I mean, I can't buy as many as I was before, but at the same point, if I don't have to deal with microtransactions and DLC that should have been in the game. Now, I do want to caveat that, though, because there are things that... Because every game has expansion. uh, Not every game, but a lot of games have expansion packs that are now, you know, DLC. As I don't have a problem with DLC if it's not something that, kind of like um, in Final Fantasy 15, most of the DLC for Final Fantasy 15 should have been in the game. Most of that story stuff and most of the stuff that was in it should have been in the original. That's yeah. where I have, you know, that's where I'm like, no, this stuff should have just been in there. Yeah, or I mean, and if they are gonna pull that crap where they are gonna offer a lot of DLC, they should at least that's you know story important. They should at least lower the price of the game, figuring that okay, they're probably the real hardcore fans. They're gonna spend that extra money, and but I don't know. That's that's one of the reasons why I usually don't buy games when they first launch. 
I'll usually wait a couple months and then go to like you know GameStop or we've got a we've got a couple other good used stores in the area. Have you ever been to Press Start Games or SideQuest Gaming? No, I've seen I've seen the, I don't remember if I've seen Press Start, but SideQuest Gaming I go every day to work. You know, I go right past it. So yeah, Press Start Gaming is actually in Menasha. Uh, have you you have you ever been to High Cliff State Park? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the road offhand, but it's like when you start heading that way, heading towards the lakefront, uh, it's in one of those little strip malls. But yeah, check it out sometime if you have a chance. So, uh, but yeah, the that's why I like about the used stores is this way I can get I don't have to go out and stump all that money on launch day. I I, I have no problem with most games. I have no problems waiting a little bit until. Um, it gets to until the price comes down, you know, 20 bucks or so. Yeah, and that's the thing is there's also the game of the year edition. Um, if you wait a year, yeah, you have to wait a year to play the game, but you get all the point, stuff right away. You get all the stuff right away. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what irritated me about Final Fantasy 15. It's like I enjoy the game. Don't get me wrong. I love the game. It's one of my favorite RPGs. But then they came out with the Royal Edition that had the game and all the DLC. And, of course, by the time that comes out, it's I think it was probably about the same price as it was at launch. So I, I guess it's one of those things where you have to decide, okay, do I want to play the game right away? Or am I going to be patient enough to wait until they just release the new version that has all the goodies included? That's kind of what you have to figure out is that and it's tough because look at Final Fantasy 15. Even if you waited for the Royal Edition, there's still one more planned DLC that's coming out. Yeah. I mean, so, and and there's not where we thought there was going to be a second season pass. You know what I mean? For all this. Now there's like one more that no matter what, they're not going to come out with, as it were. Yeah, and I, I still wish they would have uh, continued with their plans to release the other three packs because I think, you know, those episodes would have actually been really interesting and people probably would have paid for them. So, But I think it's time to call this episode to a close. So any final thoughts before we end for today? I got to play Kingdom Hearts 3 some more. I was a little disappointed in some things, but in other things it was all right. I got to got to still see how i how i feel about that yeah and it's uh i mean i haven't picked up kingdom hearts 3 because i've just heard that i mean i'm sure it's a good game it's just that since i haven't played any of the other kingdom hearts games i would be confused and i wouldn't know what the heck was going on yeah pretty well i don't care what's going on i just like seeing Disney characters and Final Fantasy characters together, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so are there any Final Fantasy characters in Kingdom Hearts 3 or is it all just Disney? I don't know at this point. I haven't tried I haven't looked. Oh. I'm pretty sure there are, but I I haven't played it enough to find out. Yeah. Well, I'd with that said, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in and until next time, keep on gaming. have been listening to a program from the point of insanity network visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows follow us on facebook and follow us on twitter at 
POI Game Studio.